Welcome to Restored Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. Last time we were together, we were talking about um, the change of heart and how that cannot be a cliche, but that has to actually be internalized by every one of us that says we're a follower of Christ. Our hearts need to be changed, which means we need to be spiritually born again, which means we want to be with God. We want to desire His ways above all else. Um, there's so many different ways to explain it. And but uh, in one of these ways, I think, is uh, what we've been talking about, Mike, before we started recording is uh, you've been thinking about the words that come to us from the 16th chapter of Alma in the Book of Mormon and uh, and how there's been so much light and truth coming your way from that. And uh, so maybe today let's just take a look and, and kind of skim through some of the verses of that chapter. People can join along if they've got their books handy. Absolutely. Uh, I know, Corey, you take great joy in reading the Word of God, and I do too. And both of us have have said before, the last just this last few years, going through the Book of Mormon again has been like reading a new book and um, not brand new, but that it, it's... Like you said, it's finding the simplicity and that the more you read, the gospel becomes more and more maybe simple or more focused. Um, there's not these hidden secrets that we find, but the secret is really this simple message that becomes so clear. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for so many people, and, and I probably have fallen into this, we think that study is going to reveal mysteries and deep things and hidden things. And, and all that is probably true and has its place, but yet... The real truth is when the simplicity comes to the surface and it becomes so obvious and apparent that uh, there's no denying the truth. And and so, yeah, for me, too, the Book of Mormon's just become a new book in the, in the last year, even just of my life. Just this this basic message that our heart needs to change. And that's, that means the, the focus of our lives, the focus of our mind, the purpose of our living is the heart. And when that changes, then... Jesus says, hey, I will wipe away the sin, and that's how this justice, this penalty of our sin gets overpowered by mercy is when our heart changes. Then all, all the rest of everything that Jesus has done and lived for comes into play in our life. Mm. Well, yeah, I did have an experience uh, this last couple of years um, reading the 16th chapter of Alma, which I had read many times in my life. Um, and which I had really focused on the wrong thing, not the wrong thing, but uh, I, the thing that I had focused on, I realized that there was some other meaning there as well that um, needed to be explored. So yeah, let's. there's so many nuggets in here, but I believe all of this goes towards that uh, changed heart. So let's just kind of talk through uh, some of the things we found, and, and if this takes three episodes or four or one, I don't know, but uh, we'll see where, where it takes us, Corey. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you know... It's interesting. It's it's a chapter that contains a lot of a lot of information on a lot of different levels. But uh, what's interesting is that the the first maybe twenty five percent of the chapter deals with this man who comes on the scene named Korihor. And what's interesting is you've got this person whose message 
is coming into the lives of people who have been somewhat transformed. They were strict in observing, you know, God's laws. They were still keeping the law of Moses. And uh, Alma's doing his work and preaching and converting and speaking to the heart. And then all of a sudden you get this guy who comes along and says, not only, you know, is your is your faith in vain, why do you look for Christ? But he has an interesting message in the 29th verse of the 16th chapter, and we're using the RLDS text. I'll look up the LDS text here in just a second. But he, he basically sums up everything saying, I don't teach these foolish traditions that you are teaching. I don't bind people down with these false notions. He said, you're just doing this to usurp power and authority. But he said this, he said, you say this people is free and I say they are in bondage. And and that's ultimately the age-old message. And, and it's so prevalent today in our society. People think that you're missing out. You're not going to have fun if you come to Christ, that that you're in bondage and, and the world offers freedom. Isn't it something that... Um you're right. People today, uh, on, especially on social media or anywhere you look, that want to rebel. They they say exactly what you said, and they think that they're fi- they found this great uh, this great light and truth that you know religion is bondage. And here we are, you know, hundreds of years before Christ, and that same spirit's present, saying the same thing. And it's like you guys aren't coming up with anything new, and this argument's already been dealt with. But Satan rears his head throughout time over and over again and brings people into bondage the same way. It's the same simple lies that just... Yeah, they just over and over again, there's nothing new. And you know, the the beautiful part about this chapter is I think we're going to see, and I don't know that we'll get through it all today, but the rest of the chapter is the antidote for this. And you know, uh, in the day we're, we're even talking, it seems like there's a lot of headlines being made in and more in the evangelical world of people who seemed to be, they were just held up, you know, because they wrote a, a book with a catchy title or they took a step in a direction and they, they professed their faith in Christ at one point in time very strongly and people took note and maybe even changed their lives because of this person's actions or book or message. And then all of a sudden they're denying their faith and they're saying, ah, I guess I don't believe that anymore. And, you know, Again, because somehow maybe they thought, what, this was bondage or, you know, what, what was the issue there? Well, we can't say everyone's situation is a little different. However, this underlying factor is always the same. And, and the evil we have to be on guard for is that every effort of Satan in the world is to disguise things of the world, pleasures of the world, um, you know, beliefs, values and everything to to entice it to make it look good and it's to try to make the things of Christ seem seem like they're bondage or seem like they're holding you back. Mhm. Yeah, and I you wonder what um like in his time, you know, what did he think that this was uh of course, the law of Moses was in effect at this time. So, you know, what what did he think the people were in bondage? What kind of bondage were they were they facing? You know, today the arguments are, you know, maybe, well, 
um, you know, we're in bondage to whatever. Uh, we want to be able to marry who we want, or we, we want to be able to... Uh, well, it's, it's interesting, too, because some of that comes out in the conversation. Yeah, they were under the law of Moses and everything. His first big argument is that, hey, you say there's going to be this Christ, and, and that I don't say there is. Now, that, that's his first statement. But mm-hmm. what... What ends up happening, too, in verse 35, he, he gets into some interesting details that, again, I think are reflected in our society. Uh, he said, you, you make it seem like these traditions, dreams, whims, visions, he uses these words, pretended mysteries, that they should, if they don't do according to what you're saying, will offend some unknown being who say there, who you say there is a God, you know, a being who you've never seen or known, or whoever was, you know, and it's basically that, you know, you're saying that, you know, we have to control our thoughts, we have to control our words, we have to control our our interests, and or we're going to offend this God who you can't prove exists. That's the same message that comes out today. You know, the, the, the counsel of God's word has always been that if we don't control our thoughts, if we don't control our interests, if we don't control um, our our goals and our, our destinations, separating the good from the bad, then then we won't find God. And and, and there's another component of this as, as the chapter continues. Then, as if there's an audience there, and we, we don't know if he's speaking in front of a lot of people or just having this conversation with Alma and Am, Ammon and Amulek and all these people who have come forth in this chapter, but... Then he, he tries to cast doubt that these people aren't sincere and trustworthy in their mission for Christ. He's kind of saying, hey, you're just glutting yourselves on the labors of these people, and, and you're trying to take advantage of them, and you're trying to use your authority over them. It's like, you know, the, the first thing is to do is to say, hey, you know, Mike, you think whatever you want. Your thoughts are okay. Do what you want to do. And then cause you to doubt the people who are ever in authority. You know, and that's that's right. happens today. That happens in homes. It happens in families. You know, children children rise up against their parents in, in in deciding, hey, I want what the world has to say, and not Christ. Yeah, and then and Alma calls him out right away on that lie in verse forty. You know, he says, "You know, we don't glut ourselves on the labors of the people. Uh, I haven't received any money, not even a dime for what I've done." Um, yeah, so one of the that spirit wants to, number one, make lies, throw up any kind of lie that he can. I love Alma's logic, though, when he says, if, if we don't receive anything for our, um, for our labors, what, what good, you know, what are we getting out of this other than they believe that it's truth? And, you know, of course, sometimes we get accused of things by our, sometimes by our friends, by our own families, uh, whatever but it's like what what's in it for me other than truth in a relationship with the father in heaven i'm not trying to control you i'm not trying to control uh, the way you feel when we talk to others about the lord when we talk to others about god we're um yeah you know it's interesting because this message comes through again in this chapter they said hey you know that we're not receiving any gain. And in verse 44, he says, you know, you're thinking we're deceiving this people, but this people has joy in their heart. And and that's the thing that when you look at, you know, I, I don't know very many people who had to have therapy 
because they went to church. I mean, now let, let that let that alone because there's a lot of good <laughs> reasons to get therapy, right? But I do know a lot of people who've fallen into substance abuse and things of the world and, and you know, the riotous living who who have had to take some hard steps, intentional steps to get their their happiness back, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the point is that hey, you know, all of us come to points in life where we we need someone to lean on and therapy isn't isn't a bad thing. I'm just saying that how many times is it for spiritual reasons that people need that versus for worldly reasons? And you know the the problems of our world are sometimes physical, but they're more often emotional and spiritual. And and emotional and spiritual needs need to be fixed by emotion and spirit. The the lie of Satan is that you can fix those things in the flesh. In other words, you know, if you've got a, a hard relationship or or you've had a hard life, well, Satan wants you to say, here, here, just drink this, you know, drink enough alcohol and you'll feel fine. And it's like, it doesn't fix the relationship. It just, man, it just kind of blinds you to the symptom for a little while. And, and I'm not knocking anyone who's drinking alcohol. That's not my point is that it's always like that, though. It's always here. Turn to something of the world, of the flesh, of the physical, to try to make you think that by that you'll feel happy and, and yeah. you'll feel you'll feel or, good. Or just uh, another thing that that does is it just postpones. It postpones having to deal with the very very difficult questions in life that that take a lot of brave. It takes a lot of bravery deep down in our soul to confront certain questions. And if we can postpone thinking about those things or putting them off for our entire life, we think we're better served. And and those questions are, where did I come from? Where am I going? Um, you know, why is there so much suffering if they're supposed to be a loving God? How do I trust someone like that? Um, there's so many questions. And um, I, I asked a wise person once why um, I seem to – um, why there seems to be struggle with some people that go into therapy and try to figure these things out and why others don't. And they said, you know, some people just aren't willing to wait or aren't willing to put off having to deal with some very tough questions. And so they say, let's work it out. And I need wisdom and help in working some of these questions out earlier than later. And that can be a great uh, and important uh, step. But other people they just want to postpone it, and the things of the world just put off having to deal with the seriousness of of this thing called life that we're all thrown into. Exactly, and if there's anything that you know, if you want to use the general word religion, can hopefully bring you to it's it's facing that, it's facing those issues and question, questions. You know, uh, aside, uh, Mark Twain, I think it was Mark Twain who once said that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born. And the day you find out why, oh, and, yeah. and and you know, it, there's truth in that. In that, but the the things of the world aren't going to help you ever find out why. They're they're going to they're going to increase your anxiety. You know, it's separating yourself from that. It's finding quiet time, introspective time, um, that helps you. You know, it's finding God. It's finding a purpose. And once I I heard a, a therapist say something too that just stuck with me. They said, you know, if if someone felt they were going to have a a nervous breakdown, someone was interviewing this therapist, what would you tell them? How would you tell them to get some self-help? What would your advice be? And they said, honestly, the best thing you can do is if you're feeling like your life is crashing down, 
throw your life into the life of someone else, find someone who has a need and help them. You mm. know? And that, that is some of the best therapy at all that exists, you know? And it's like, it, it's the world wants to tell you, no, buy something else, you know, order something else off Amazon, you know, do whatever makes you feel good. And, um, you, you know, there's those cycles we get into for looking for, because we're this complex um, combination of, physical, emotional, spiritual, we get in these cycles of always feeding the physical side, always feeding the, the worldly side will make you feel good. And it, it masks those pleasures and uh, of the spirit. It, it keeps the spirit in the back seat when we constantly feed our, our worldly interests. What you just said was so profound. And, and um, Christianity is not about making everybody feel happy and giddy all the time, but it's, it's, a, it's a place to come to deal with those hard questions that none of us really understand, mm-hmm. you know, that confuse mm-hmm. us in life. Like, why right. is there suffering? And why right. is, why does a loving God allow these things? Or um, what happens when uh, people die that uh, maybe never knew God, maybe never professed to even go to church or to have a belief, you know? There's some tough things, you know? What happens when you lose a, a child or... or multiple children i mean there's so many things watch news any other you know any night of the week and you have to say what is what's the purpose of all this you know that's a great point mike i'm over my life i I think that's the question that sometimes if if it's a non-believer asks someone to try to a, a christian for instance to put them on the spot and say well if there was a god why is there so much suffering in the world? Why do bad things happen? And, you know, again, this is almost like the Martin Luther conversation we had. Don't accept the premise of that because the the honest truth is this. It's because of all the bad things in the world that Christ came. In other words, he, he didn't allow these things to happen just because he wanted to see what would happen and he doesn't really care. He knew all the evil in the world is the consequence of sin. The original sin that cast us out of God's presence meant that we will have to deal with disease. We'll have to deal with lying spirits that come in the forms of people like Korhor. We'll have to deal with the deception. We'll have to deal with sickness and and and, and disappointments. All those things are the result of being cast out of God's presence. He has the only solution to that possible. And, and, and the, the non-believers or the haters want us to make us think, no, God's doing this to you, and he's causing this, and if he really existed. So how can you even love a God that would do that? When, when the opposite is, is the point of all this, and that's that, no, God said, this is what's going to happen to all of you now, and I have the only solution I'm going to be the infinite and eternal sacrifice so that your sin can be washed away. But the solution is you have to allow your heart and mind to turn to me. And that's the first thing Korhor doesn't want the people's minds and hearts to do, doesn't want them to turn towards God, say, it's a lie. These guys are fakes and God's a fake. Just do what you want to do. Do what feels good. And and God is saying, no, that's the remedy that compounds the the harshness of this world in your life if you keep doing that. Alma begins to, uh, well, he he begins to allow Korahor to basically get himself in his own trap, but he starts to ask him some questions. So what's one of the first questions he asks him? Um, 
He says, you believe that we de- deceive this people that causes such joy in their hearts? And that's verse 44. And Korihor says, yeah. And then what does Alma say? Does you, do you believe there's a God? And Korihor says, no. And then Alma says, if you deny again that there is a God and also deny the Christ, I know there is a God. And how do I know this? And also that Christ shall come. What evidence do you have there's no God or that Christ cometh not? I say unto you, you have no evidence, save it be your word only. But behold, and I love this, I have all things as a testimony that these things are true. Sometimes we want to just get into a philosophical debate with people that say there's no God. But isn't that the most beautiful thing? When you just step back and say, look around. I tell you, everything tells me there's a God. Exactly. And all you're saying, all I have to counteract that that truth is you standing here before me telling me there's not. Right, right. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, exactly. how, how silly can you be? Yeah, I, mean, I think Hitler said, the bigger the lie, the easier the people <laughs> believe it. You yeah. Know? And and that's right, yeah. To, to come right out and say, oh, you can't prove anything. When I went back to school, Corey, the second time uh, for nursing, and I started taking some of these anatomy and biology classes, and uh, most recently, um, back at school again, microbiology, I was just fascinated that the human body testifies of God. Everything. And when I, when I start seeing all the way down to the cell walls and the membranes and how they take like salt and chloride and, and they transfer calcium and potassium back and forth to do all of these things. And if one of those things gets out of whack, something else compensates for it, you yeah. know, it's just like, Oh, the design. How could it have just happened? Just the design is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've read that if you took uh, one protein molecule, and and protein molecules, you know, have to support life, but for that to come together and support life, statistically, to get all the, the little amino acids, which are just smaller chains of molecules down to the atoms and everything, to line up and do what a protein molecule does with some statistically crazy number like 10 with 200 zeros after it. It was like, and when you consider that number and it just sounds like, oh, 10 with 200 zeros. No, the statistical chances of one molecule forming in place and your body's got trillions of them that that do this. Well, that 10 to the 200 statistical odds there aren't 10 to the 200 particles in the universe, according to the scientists. That's how big that number is. You know, in other words, it, it's it's just not possible. I, I, I heard a cute little analogy once, and it, it was this. It was like, you know, how many times could you put a bomb in a junkyard and have and, and set the bomb off and have all those pieces fall down perfectly into a 747, you know, air, airplane, and have it be able to fly? It's like... Um, a hundred times? No. Maybe a thousand times? No. A million times? No. A trillion times? No. But but that's what people who deny God believe without any intelligent design. They they basically come to this conclusion that all this stuff around us just had to fall into place. And there's no statistical way, if you just look at that, yeah. that it's even remotely possible. C.S. Lewis and you know, he 
he could write children's books that made sense to children. <laughs> but he could he could write on on deep profound levels too that it would would cause even the uh, the uh, the wittiest and most knowledgeable of theologians to to really give pause to understand. Uh, but but he made a statement that I thought was interesting and. Um, this came from an essay that he wrote. You can find it online. But, you know, he says, he's talking about science versus creation versus reason. And he said, you know, he, he realizes that there's this thing of science. But he says, where does reason come in? Where does this fact that, okay, say there's molecules that form cells and those cells form bodies and those bodies have life. He said, but, but how does thought come into this? He you know, did thought have to originate first, or did thought evolve out of this? And, and he, he raises this question, and he says, granted that reason is prior to matter. He said, there had to be some thought before matter. He, he said, that that ha- light has to be the primal reason that illuminates our finite minds. And he says, I can understand how men should come by observation and inference to know a lot about the universe they live in. If, on the other hand, he said, he said, you know, through reason, he says, we can understand because we reason and, and we learn about our life. But he said, on the other hand, if I just swallow this scientific cosmology as a whole, you know, everything about, hey, it's just all science and atoms and there's nothing behind it. Um, he said, then I can't even fit Christianity or science into that because he said there's, there's too many unanswered questions. He said, if minds are wholly dependent on brains, and this is the part I like, if our minds were just dependent on our brains and our brains are just a function of biochemistry and biochemistry in the long run is just a result of this, he uses this term, meaningless flux of atoms. He said, I can't understand how the thought of our minds should have any more significance than the sound of the wind in the trees. And, and, I, and I consider that, and it's like, yeah, it's like if, if this is just a function of biochemistry, how do our thoughts and our, our goals in our life have any meaning different than just the sound of the wind blowing? And, and we all believe, even if you don't confess Christ or God, you have to believe that human thought is greater than anything else around. You know, still to this day, there's no computer that can do the things that a mind does. When, when, when we read the word and it said, hey, God created man in his image, you know, the, the first thought may, that may come to someone's mind is that, oh, well, we resemble God. You know, he, he must have fingers and toes and eyes and ears. And so we, we look like God. But, but no, no, it's, it's much greater than that. We, we can create, we can dream, we can, we can take an idea and build it. You know, we, we, we have an idea for a house and we can build a house. We have an idea for, for a computer program that never existed. And we can make a computer do this thing, you know, right? And, and this is how we're created in God's image. And whether or not you're, a God-fearing Christian and born in the Restoration and have this hope of Zion, or whether you're this atheist who just came on this podcast and think, here's two dumb guys talking about things that aren't true. The point is this, whether you confess God or not, every minute of your life you have been spending proving that God exists because you are creating, you are dreaming, you are pursuing, and you have goals, you are doing the things that the rocks and the trees don't don't get to do, right? 
that you are separated from every life form on this earth because of the intelligence you have. And whether or not you're believing it came from God, you're using it in every aspect of your life to plan, to create, and prove to me how that happens on its own. Where How do you make a computer that can dream? You know, it can't do it. Yeah. And if you don't believe in God... And, and the only thing you have to base that on is your own thought process and, and, and say, I don't believe in God and I'm an atheist. And I say, Corey, there's no God. And then you look at me and say, well, if you don't believe in God, then those thoughts that you have that tell you there aren't a God are based on absolutely nothing. So why should I even believe those thoughts coming from you if there's no intelligent design? Right. If that's just your... I mean, what is that based on? There's no truth behind it. There's right. no creator. Right. And so the very thought of atheism or saying that there is no God, if there is no God, then then what gives validity to those thoughts? I mean, why is that thought even a lot, you know, why is there even logic behind those thoughts? Right. Why is there uh, any persuasiveness behind those thoughts? Right. It's just some random you know, synapse in your brain. And so why should I believe that rather than you telling me you're a donkey or anything like that? Exactly. You know, just the fact that we're, we're having speech and expressing thoughts. It's like that denotes there's a God. How, how can two rocks, you know, suddenly, you know, not just put aside, have vocal cords and then send air through those vocal cords to resonate and make a sound, but let that sound reflect the understanding of a of a mind that has thoughts and ideas and convey that through words through the air to another rock who can hear and that thought those waves go into the brain to share the idea i mean how how do you you, you think about that just getting one idea from me to you has to rely on conveying it through something we hear or see or feel right but in in god's world it goes beyond that. It's not limited by communication through the physical, but that's not so much the point. How do you get the fact that there are these life forms that have ideas and can share them? You know, you just think about that for a minute. That denotes there's a God. So if you're having a conversation with a Christian friend or if you're having a conversation with an atheist, the fact that you're having a conversation and sharing ideas, you're proving there has to be a God behind it. How does that just happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's well. That takes a lot of a lot of pondering, and um, if you don't want to put effort into that pondering, or if you don't care enough about it, then I guess you could just blow it off and, yeah, and yeah. say there is. But you know, but 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 this comes back to this whole core horror thing in in uh, the sixteenth chapter is that this is the premise he starts with, and this is the premise that core horror and and everyone who's an naysayer basically start with is like they look at everything around them and they're basically saying, yeah, it doesn't exist. You know, it's like, but. It, that's kind of what they're saying to say God doesn't exist. You know, I wanted to take Corey. Just um, so there's a spirit here, and this spirit, as we already said, this isn't a new spirit. Today, people say there's no God, and and more and more people are saying there's no God in America now um, than than since the country's been founded. However, on a very personal level, and I think some of us have known people. I've known people in the church that have turned their back on God, um, that have that have left organized religion or have just said that he doesn't exist. There's a commonality there that causes that. And I and I wanted to just let's just talk about that for a minute. 
a lot of time that's born out of some very severe trauma or pain. Yeah, yeah. In not being able to process that pain, and, mm-hmm. and Satan sees an in sees an inroad and begins to feed lies to us. Uh, there's yeah. spirits out there, so take the church out of it, any or any specific church, but um, just just. In general, what goes on within a person, and to be honest with you, I don't. I know the church acts inappropriately in many instances, but a lot of, I think most people that walk away from the church or from God, um, is because of what something is going on with them and their, and their Lord. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I was just reading here, but um, one of the things I think is common amongst people that have been hurt is. They've made a bad decision, or they've walked out of that pathway, that narrow path that the Lord calls us to be in. You know, which which Korhor would say is bondage. They stepped out of that, and then they experienced the consequences of doing that. And once they uh, once they step out of that and experience those consequences, they get mad at God then for not saving them from their choice. Right, and so. Yeah, and so then they start down that path of well, there must not be a a loving God because look at what I have to deal with, and He let me do this and that, and didn't keep me from doing that. And that's that's another reason I believe that um, people want to uh, become atheist or or just you know there must not be a loving God up there because He allows me to experience consequences from choices that I make. Gotcha. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, uh, what's interesting is. In the final part of Corey Hor's story, is that you know he says, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to stop unless you show me a sign." And then if you know the story, you know what happens. He's struck dumb. There's probably a parallel in that. In that, in the end, the scriptures say every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, and and that's not going to be something forced on anyone. But they're going to confess that God is God and God's God was God. And and in Corey Hor's situation, you know, he even admits. In the final hours of his life, he knew there was a God, and and he, but he said a lying spirit came to him, and he wanted this curse taken from him. But he he was cast out, and um, his his whole thing was a lie from the beginning. And we don't know how many people he took with him, but what happened is that you know he affected the lives of people negatively who who did. And then, and then the chapter kind of evolves into the next group of people who seem to be, I don't know if they're proselytes of his or not, but they all of a sudden come on to this group of people who build up a church in their own image. You know, they're the ones who, who are now, uh, you know, wanting to make the worship of God just this thing that separates them from other people. You know, and, and they're wanting to make this uh, place where they go and worship uh, this place that glorifies themselves. You know, they they stand on this little tower and they lift their hands up and they say, "Holy God, we believe you're God. We believe you're holy. You're spirit, and you're spirit forever. You separated us from our brethren." You know, so so now it's just kind of about people like us. It's interesting that the two stories aren't necessarily connected. That. Korihor caused this people to worship this way, but it's interesting because they're in the same chapter, and now all of a sudden you see the effect of people who, okay, well, they didn't deny God completely, but all of a sudden they mixed a lot of the world and the world's ideas with how we should feel about ourselves in with how they turn that into worship. Well, yeah, and we're yeah. seeing this today, too. Well, I want to 
I want to actually dive into that a little bit deeper, Corey. Um, so yeah, that's a, that, no, that's a great segue into that. But tell tell us. So what was the what was the final? Uh, what was Korahor's demise? What was his outcome? What happened there with him? Yeah, him and Alma. They. Yeah, he was he was uh, he cast fine. down. You know, he he kind of uh, in the end he prayed for this curse. This is around verse seventy two mm-hmm. to be removed. It wasn't taken off. Um, he went around begging for food. The news of what had happened was published around, and then all of a sudden, you know. People were telling everyone that if you believed any of the words of this guy, you need to repent, or the same judgments would come upon them. That probably got some people's <laughs> attention. It says in 74, they were convinced of the wickedness of Korihor, and they were converted again to the Lord. And this put an end to the iniquity after the manner of, of him. So that's good. But for Korihor, unfortunately, the next couple of verses kind of just say it, it didn't go well. He he was begging. He he had no way to sustain himself. Um, and in the end, uh, they said he was trodden down and, and dead. You know, when I read something like this, you wonder what it really looked like back then. It says, and um, knowledge of what had happened under Korahor was immediately published throughout all the land. And the proclamation was sent forth to the people of the land. So that they would, you know, know not to believe in him. How did you know they didn't have email or, or uh, television or anything? How did they? Did they just send these runners out, or you just wonder how a story became big back then? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. And this seemed to be a big one, right, right, very that, much uh, so. Look at this, uh, Corey, in um, verse seventy-seven. It says, "We see the end of him who perverteth the ways of the Lord." And we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. It came to pass that after the end of oh, well, I want to stop right there because I want to get into that this next section. But um, sometimes it takes a long while for us to uh, see the demise of people, and and for a while you you may see like, well, man, this person's really thriving or or gaining a following, or there seems to be some wisdom there, but then. Make no doubt about it, there comes a time when um, it says the devil will not support them, and all of a sudden they're left alone. How many times have we seen that over and over again? Exactly, exactly, yeah, in the church and in the world, both. And, you know, that's one of the important reasons why the Word has to be planted in our heart, and that's actually where the rest of the chapter starts going is is the fact that and, and and Alma sort of gives the antidote to all this when he's talking to these people who have been cast out and, and the Zoramites, where he he basically tells them, hey, if you know if you're cast out, you know consider it good that you're choosing to be humble versus compelled to be humble. But but he he compares all these problems. He said he said you're going to solve this if the word's planted in your heart and you let that grow. And so in the world today, you know, uh, time and time again. The, the problems with people leaving the church, leaving the faith in general, seem to happen when they let go of the word and start adopting other words. And, and, and when those ideas, you know, a little bit of truth mixed with a little bit of the world start to grow, it's, it's hard to get the, the, the weeds out and, and the truth back in growing. Before we finish up, this episode, Corey, and I think we're at a really good place to stop and start another one uh, because as soon as Alma 
it seems like is done dealing with Korahor, and we see his demise. It says he receives word that there's a group of people leading people astray somewhere else, and then they have to, we're going to have to go deal with with this. And so, and there's some really interesting things coming up in this next part of uh, the 16th chapter. So I I want to break here, but um, what you just said about reading the Word of God. What do you say to people, Corey, that um, do you think if there's no desire there, if you're just one that doesn't like to read or the words all seem kind of clumsy and, and um, convoluted and it's hard to understand, is there hope for a person like that? Uh, you know, my dad was one that never wanted to read. You know, it was hard for him to read. He would always fall asleep. When he, I remember him telling me over and over, I just try to read and I fall asleep. But my mom and I grew up just reading books all the time. What kind of hope is there for people that say, oh, I don't like to read? Well, you know, it's interesting because you think about the masses of people who lived on this planet before our generation, and honestly, few of them ever got to, quote, read the word right. at all. You know, yes. re- reading is a luxury of our day that yeah. we, we can all carry it around on our on our phones now, you know. And, and so mm-hmm. to have a book, have the written word, you think most of these people who were reading about never thumbed a page of scripture in their life. They they heard it and they pondered it in their heart. And that's the key, whether or not we read it or we hear it. And and, and I think what we're going to see in this next section, it, it's profound in, in verse 82, and I know we'll come back to this. It says, the preaching of the word had a greater tendency yes. to lead the people to do that, which was just. It had more powerful effect on their minds than the sword, you know? And yeah. so... so in the end, if, if, if reading isn't your thing, I think everyone thinks, though, and that's where it comes down to. It comes down to a close examination of your life, comparing it to truth and deciding, am I going to act on truth or am I going to act on a lie? And that's my life's direction is going to be based on how many truths I act on versus how many lies I act on. Um. We were talking about, you know, how did how did this story get published throughout the land or whatever? And yeah, it wasn't like they sent out uh, the weekly newsletter and people were reading it. But I wonder if um, I wonder if the way we've gone in our society, we we've lost some of those gifts where you know people. I always wondered how people wrote down what was said in a you know, and the yeah. word, the words were recorded. Well, were you know how did they? They must have just had this this little muscle in their brain that was so used to like hearing and regurgitating information. And mm. we've, I think, and I know speaking for myself, if I don't catch it the first time, I just like make a little note. I'll, I'll get that later. I know where to go find it, but I'm right. not internalizing what right. I'm reading. And that's a really important when we say reading the word of God, whether it's taking one scripture or just one thought, like, you know, here, these people are probably hearing about Korhor and say, well, he was saying that, you know, there is no God, and yet we were all created by somebody. Let's ponder on that for a minute and, and think about what that means. You know, uh, meditating or just, just pondering on a scripture or a thought without reading 100 pages a day is is just as powerful, if not more, right? Than- you know, that I love that word you just used because before you said it, my mind went to Psalm 1, which mm. uh, is is the summation of, of that thought, you know, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of the sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. 
the scornful are like the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And and I, I love that. What you just said is because, you know, we can read a lot and we can come to a lot of knowledge and never come to truth. That's a scriptural point that the New Testament makes, uh, speaking of the Jews specifically, you know, ever learning yet never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. I'm, I'm not here to knock Jews. In fact, I want, I want many of our podcasts to reach the Jews. But the point is this, whether you read the word or you hear the word, the point is that you take it later and you meditate on it. And, and I learned something interesting, and this was actually found in reading one of the lost books of the Bible, and, and we'll have to talk about that sometime too. But I, I just learned something that is just beautiful understanding. And this came from the uh, words of Barnabas, which he was one of the apostles, but his words weren't captured in the canon we have now. They, it used to be. But he, he explains why Moses gave the commandment to not eat certain types of animals, and, he, and yet others were allowed. Well, he said, if if a animal splits the hoof and chews the cud, now chewing the cud is what certain animals with the ruminating uh, how they digest their food, cows and goats do it, you know. But they were okay to eat. Well, he says the reason why, and he explains this, and I would have never known. He said that act of regurgitating their food, he says, is on a parallel with meditating on good things of life. He said that, you know, those animals, they eat the food once and then they, they kind of burp it up and they digest it again, right? And now it seems kind of weird and, and unusual because we don't eat that way, at least we shouldn't. But the point is, he said, no, he said, learn from the way those animals eat comparing that to your spiritual walk. He said, their ruminating is like meditating. He said, bring the word back to the forefront of your of your mind, of your heart. Consider it again. He said, that's why those animals were considered clean is because they were demonstrating a principle that God wants us to have in our life on how we meditate on his word. Isn't that cool? That's, I love that. I love hearing that. That's uh... <laughs> That's something that I haven't heard before, and that is pretty cool. I just read it last night for the first time. Yeah. Well, listen, Corey, we're uh, we're kind of all jumped around a lot today, but again, you know, as we say at the beginning of our podcast, we're just two friends having casual conversation (laughs) about the things of eternity. And if any of these things spark your mind, or take your mind, or allow the spirit to uh, move you, uh, that's that's the goal of this podcast. So. we started in almost 16. We talked about Korahor and this uh, Antichrist that was preaching against God, and we're going to, uh, we saw his demise. Next time we'll pick up, and Alma just heard about another group of people that are perverting the ways of the Lord. Let's see see what happens and uh, see what he does about that. Yep, and if you guys ever have an idea or a thought you'd like us to talk about, we're happy to. In the years we've known each other, Mike and I have never run out of anything to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, join us at Facebook, Restore Gospel Podcast. Um, the links are always in our show notes. Uh, until next time, God bless. God bless.